David Adams here, the voice of the ring, and the following is a presentation of the Mancast Network podcast for the man in all of us. Hey guys, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val from Fight TV, and I am a proud Opinion City girl. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Opinion City Podcast, a professional wrestling podcast where we debate the hottest topics of the past, present, future, and beyond. I'm your host. My name is Ralph Heinmarch. He's my co-host and tag team partner, and his name is Parma Sean Russell. This podcast is for you, the listeners, so please reach out to us via email at opinioncitypod at gmail.com. Before we get things rolling here, if you want to support the show, you can follow us at OpinionPod City Pod on all the socials. You can find the links to everything that we do over there. You can follow myself at Parma Chisel, and you can follow my buddy here, Ralph, at RealRalph316. If you like what you're hearing, like, rate, and review our show, and please share us with your friends. Without further ado, let's get into this week's topic. Ralph, what are we talking about today? Uh, we got a we got a good topic for today. This is uh, this is one that. Um, we, we've been thinking about recently and I'm really excited about it cause I think it's just, it's, it's a great topic. I think it's something that is used a lot in wrestling, but something that not many people really discuss, but we are talking today about the top five oddly paired wrestling and tag teams in history. And I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm super excited. And, uh, one team that recently has been an odd pairing, but that has been just so successful, surprisingly enough, has been this MJF and Adam Cole, better than you, Bay Bay, tag team. Like I, like, I don't know about you, but it's just been, like, who knew they had such great chemistry together? Like, they're so good together. You know, it's, it's interesting, because this is not a new thing, you know, where they have, like, the champion and the person who is, is expected to be, like, the challenger, you know, um... What they normally do is that, you know, they, they kind of build up this this feud between them, and then right before they're supposed to wrestle each other, they throw them in a tag team match like a week before, and it's usually always a disaster. So I like to see the way that they're sort of taking this storyline because I think it's really interesting to have um, two guys that honestly on the spectrum of like – good guys and bad guys right now couldn't be further apart from each other. And yet here they are like the absolute best of friends. They're better. They're better best friends than the best friends are. Yeah. Dude. You know what I mean? Like the backstage segments that they've been doing the promos, the fact that they always give each other different things, like the different, the same trunks, same jacket. When Adam Cole surprised MJF with a remix theme song and MJF's reaction was like, just so, happy and giddy it, it, it was that was some of the best minute and a half segment i've ever seen on a show just the entrance was perfect like they're so it's gonna be such a sad moment when they fall because they're so hot right now everything they do is so perfect the ring jackets are perfect like 
you know, and and we should have it's it should not be a big surprise because if we look at Adam Cole over over the years uh, and and some of the things that Adam Cole has done, especially in NXT, when you look at Adam Cole's NXT run, Adam Cole was pretty much the star of every single thing that he did. Every single Absolutely. thing that he was involved of, he was the star. So first you have that coming in, and then you have MJF, who, again, if you watch MJF's career, and we've touched on this a little bit before, uh, if you've watched MJF's career over the years, starting with the independent promotions, starting with uh, Beyond Wrestling on the East Coast, and just a lot of uh, the indie stuff he did, you could see that he was not he was not yet MJF he was still you know Maxwell J Friedman but you could tell that the MJF thing was building i mean he was wearing the scarf back then but oh, yeah. you could you could just tell that it was building and then when you look at some of the stuff he's done in AEW especially the stuff he's done with Chris Jericho i mean first off whoever thought MJF could sing let sing, alone dance like the dude can do it all He's an absolute entertainer and everything he does is so good. That's the big thing. Like when, when you watch wrestling and you know, a lot of wrestlers will talk about this um, cause it's not something that everybody normally gets, but like you can tell a story with your facials and a lot oh, of yeah. times you have to tell a story with your facials and his are just amazing. Like you said, yeah. uh, that, that reaction to the music, I mean, it was it was over the top. It was crazy. It was it was hokey. It was all that rolled into one, into this perfect reaction. You see him great. run to Adam Cole and give him a hug, and Adam Cole's like, "No, get off me, get off me!" Like it's it's just perfect. Like it was just like talk about a way to keep people entertained. That was just even that whole match from start to finish was just so entertaining. The dance off beforehand. Like I'm a fan of goofy wrestling, and goofy wrestling is just sometimes more fun than just regular wrestling like that's all that's always why i love independent wrestling because goofy yeah. wrestling for the win all the way always always yeah and you know they they took the idea of best friends and like turned it to 11 which yeah. is great it's it's uh it's really amazing so yeah um i mean that's you know and and they're like at the top of the wrestling world yeah so you know they're they're gonna have all the they're gonna have all the big moments they're gonna have all the big matches you know they're gonna be they're gonna be featured you know pretty much quite a bit because i mean you are really talking about two of the biggest stars in the company so it'll be it'll be exciting to see what they're able to do with them before the fall comes because you know i mean once the fall comes then everything is just gonna go in a complete other direction because honestly I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, some of Adam Cole's promos with MJF, I mean, those guys were throwing daggers. Those guys oh, were yeah. not, you know, those guys were not lobbing softballs. This was they you know, 90 mile words. an hour hard pitch. <laughs> no, certainly not. So I think once I think they're going to have even more fuel to add to that fire once everything falls apart. So I'm yeah. super excited for that because, I mean, I I think that this could easily be feud of the year. Oh, absolutely. Like, even their um, match beforehand, that 30-minute uh, draw was just I'm oh, incredible. Finish, it was amazing. It was incredible. And if that says anything about their matches going forward, it's going to be not only this is such a fun team right now, but just a great feud once this, once the fall happens. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, not only are they doing great things outside of the ring, but they, they kind of ex, uh, exemplify 
some of the things that are really going right with AEW? Because there's a lot of people right now that, you know, will have opinions about AEW and say, well, they're not doing this right or they're not doing this right or, you know, they, they have all the negative opinions. But if you look at AEW, it seems to me like in, in some of these really high profile feuds um, and, and even in even in some of the, the, the lower card, um, you know, matches that they have, like the wrestling at times is just super phenomenal. Like the, oh, yeah. the wrestling is just heads and shoulders above other shows. So, you know, you can have all these great things outside of the ring, but then you also have a, a huge roster that you can look back on and, and you can count on them no matter what to produce those amazing matches. I mean, you look at some of the, you look at some of the guys they have in, in the company and you look at even, even the younger guys like Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta is not, um, he's, he's not like the seasoned vet that some of the other guys are, you know, he's, he's more of like one of the, the, the younger guys on the block as, as far as that goes, you know, he's not like seasoned, like a CM Punk or Daniel Bryan or things like that. Um, you know, but but Wheeler Yuta is and and I we he did not get included on our list during the episode of where we talked about underrated wrestlers. But I got to say, like yeah. Wheeler Yuta is very uh, very underrated as far as um, his his skills. So uh, you know that's just one example. Um, I mean, you've got a guy like Orange Cassidy who is holding back because. If you if you've if you've seen him on the indies and some of the things he's done on the indies, you know, not just as Orange Cassidy, but like we talked about this before, like he's a he's a phenomenal wrestler. And you've got just so many guys, so many guys that are so talented. And then we're not even getting into the Ring of Honor uh, roster yet, because, I mean, Ring of Honor is all about the wrestling and the guys that they have there. The fact that they're kind of like cross promoting Ring of Honor with AEW and and bringing guys from Ring of Honor into AEW storylines. Yep. I mean, I think the fact that Claudio Castagnoli is everywhere right now, like you can yeah, see him with Blackpool Combat Club, you can see him with Ring of Honor. That's yeah. that's amazing. That should make companies like WWE feel silly. They yeah. should feel <laughs> silly and stupid because yep. they had him and they blew it. I mean, yeah, he could have been. He should have been a world champion multiple times over in WWE, but they just didn't give him that chance. They just didn't get it. They they don't understand. They don't understand what he is. And I feel like there's this whole class of of wrestlers that that kind of go through that. I mean, WWE is notorious for missed opportunities as far as um, you know, really talented wrestlers and not utilizing that because they don't see something else. Like they they don't see the promo work that's what they want. They don't see maybe. The look is not exactly what they want, but these guys are having like, you know, not to use a rating system, but these guys are having like four and a half star matches consistently all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, either nobody sees it because they won't push them or nobody sees it because they're like on main event or, yeah, you know, exactly. like superstars or some nonsense. But yeah. I feel like he's part of that class. You could talk about him. Uh, you could talk about Drew Gulak. He's another one that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they come from that sort of uh, Northeastern um independent wrestling scene and they come as amazing talents but they just never get the credit that's due yeah exactly 100 percent. wow we we were off in the middle of nowhere on that one but no it happens I mean, we let's just, roll back in just, let's uh get down we just to took the a left turn and get into our lists uh let's let's that, do it because we got a lot a, to talk about let's do, let's do a deep dive on these odd couple pairings all right so 
why don't you uh, why don't you throw out your your first on the list? Your number five. My number five is the most the more recent uh, odd couple that was that came out between the 2020s, and that's uh, RK Bro, Randy Orton, Ooh, okay. and Matt Riddle. When Riddle proposed a tag team to Orton, I don't think anybody thought it would work, let alone Randy himself. But man, did it work! The two had such an interesting dynamic at first, as Riddle was a babyface and Randy was the heel. But they just gelled so well together, and I think the difference in personality from both characters really helped make that team work. It eventually turned Orton into a full-fledged face, and they even won the Raw Tag Team titles multiple times together. It's just another example of an odd couple that like, you would, wouldn't think would work, yet they gelled just so well. And their wrestling styles in the ring also surprisingly gelled so well. So you look at a team like that, and... Um... I think they're a great example of not just, you know, being a great sort of odd pairing, but I think they're a blueprint for how odd pairings should really work. So you're going to have, you're going to have the younger guy who um, you would look at him as, I mean, you would look at Randy as the veteran of the team. However, Riddle's Riddle's been around forever. Riddle, you know, did the indie scenes. He did the MMA. Like, you know, Riddle's got experience. He's obviously not the veteran that Randy is in WWE. He hasn't done the things that Randy's done. But you have Riddle, who is just absolutely super goofy. The guy is a serious wrestler who does not take himself seriously. So here we have a guy who, you know, rides scooters to the ring, um, he is, he's now, listen, my wife likes three wrestlers. Okay. Those three wrestlers are, uh, Seamus. Okay. Drew McIntyre. And those two are because she likes, uh, when they, when they do like the, the, the whole, uh, bagpipes thing and they do yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. uh, she's, she's big on the, like when Drew McIntyre wore the kilt and the big sword and like. Yep. She's into all of that because she was a bagpiper. So she's into all of that. Thirdly, for some reason, she is into Riddle. And it's, I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that he wrestles barefoot because she was, like, blown away by that. Yeah. But he does the whole, like, jumping in the ring and flipping the, yeah. the, the sandals off. And, like, you know, he is, he is very not serious when it comes to outside the ring stuff. And then, you know, when that bell rings, he turns it on. So you have that, and then you have this ultra sort of veteran in Randy Orton who, you know, is, if you if you kind of look at him, I feel like he's becoming like this revered status. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, he's been around forever. He's done it all. I mean, he's he's had high-profile feuds with just everybody that you can think of. And the reason I think that this tag team works so well, and again, I think this is where you look at the blueprint of why these tag teams work so well is that the veteran in the team, the one who you never think would do the things that he's doing is buying into it. He is, you could tell he's like 110% all in to that tag team and it makes a difference on camera. Oh yeah. Like it just like even leading up to when they finally became friends, it was just such great stuff. Like the backstage segments were hilarious because um, Riddle would try and get Randy to be his best friend, and Randy would just sigh, roll his eyes, like walk away. Like you could tell that that Riddle was annoying him. So when my favorite part was before they were like, a big tag team, RKO came out. Uh, I'm sorry, Orton comes out. RKO's Riddle, but it wasn't 
as like a fu. It was more like a hey, I can do this at any point, just so you know. Yeah. Like almost the reminder: do not forget who I am, even though we're a team now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, you know, when when you play around with that kind of stuff, like you know, uh, Randy Orton is is one of those guys that you know you almost can never trust him. Like, no. you know, they, they, they call <laughs> him the Viper not. for a reason. He's, he's, <laughs> uh, you know, it, he may be, uh, you know, deadly to strike, but at the same time, he's also a snake in the grass. Yep. You just, you never know when that man is going to turn on you. So, uh, but you could tell though, that by the time they got, you know, really deep into the, the tag team run and they were really firing on all cylinders, you could tell um, just how invested Randy was in the team. You could tell how much um, he enjoyed being in the team. You could see Randy smile and have fun, which, yeah. you know, it's it. How, when was the last time you can think of before RK Bro that you actually saw Randy smile and have fun? Yeah, like it's one of those things with him, like because he's always been such a great heel. Like, like he hasn't had a lot of face runs, and the one face run he had with Triple H wasn't that great. Let's be honest, it wasn't the mm-hmm. best. That we've ever seen, but I feel like this most recent face run with Riddle, it just like we said last week with Razor Wing, it's just fun matches are fun, and to have fun is what should be the most important part of being a wrestler is just having fun, and seeing Orton have fun with it is just that's what it's all about. Yeah, because that kind of stuff is contagious. When a wrestler goes out there and he has a really good time, he has a fun time in the match. You can tell. He's really enjoying, you know, himself and having a good time. That's contagious. Then the crowd has a good time. And, you know, um, even it's so strange because, like, even when Randy was a heel, there's this uh, sort of air about him where people were still drawn to him. I mean, he would come out as a heel and you would have, like, pay-per-view audiences singing his theme song. You yeah. know, it, it's just it, there was something, you know, in, infectious about him. And that played right into Riddle's strength, because yep. I feel like Riddle's strength, not that he's not a great wrestler, because he is. He 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 does a lot of great things in the ring. He brings a, a different style to his wrestling because he's able to rely a little bit on that MMA background to, you know, do some of the things he does that kind of builds his repertoire to be different than others but like he's got a great connection with the crowd like he knows oh, yeah. how to go out there and just feed into that crowd and just eat it up and yeah you know, he's he's one of those guys that just gets the whole point of going out there and reading the crowd and and doing what needs to be done based on crowd reactions it's just you know too two different styles that are built on a lot of the same fundamentals, but, but different styles in, in wrestlers that just should never have worked together. And it worked better than, like you said, it, it worked better than anybody could have ever thought. Yeah. Cause they're, we're just solar opposites and just to see them like come together like that. And Randy Orton gives in and hugs riddle. And it's just uh, like this, just the funniest, goofiest stuff. And that's why it, that is my number five. That's awesome. All right. So my number five, and I have to say that of all the teams that I put on my list, my number five is my absolute favorite. Uh, <laughs> it's always but, the last one. <laughs> but I had, well, I had to put them at number five because 
the other teams that I picked were just that there was no way I could put these guys ahead of them, but I had to put this tag team on here because I just I don't know, when I think of odd pair oddly paired teams, odd pairings, um I mean this is just so out there. So my number five team is the team affectionately known as Head Cheese that would be oh, Al, Al Snow, Snow and the Leith, the Lethal Cheddar, Steve Blackman. And dude, talk about goofy wrestling at its finest. You talk about Al Snow, who at the time was, you know, head shaking the uh, mannequin head. And then you had yeah. Steve Blackman, who was this serious, like, karate, MMA-style fighter. And it was just, again, things that you would not think would work. They were a match made in heaven. It was short-lived, but it was some of the best goofy stuff you can possibly see in the ring, out of the ring. It's so good. I I 100% agree. So here you have a guy like Steve Blackman, who is a uh, a legitimate tough guy, a legitimate bad guy. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, this this was to the point where, I mean, he had a training school uh in in mixed martial arts uh in in harrisburg pennsylvania like this guy was legit um you know i i have i have heard some stories about you know this is one guy you really didn't want to mess with then you have al snow and al snow to me is um there's so many interesting things about al snow now obviously the the gimmicks that he's done you know obviously uh the whole the whole gimmick with head was just I mean, so out there, but so brilliant. Uh, some of the things he's done over the years have just been um, phenomenal. The The job squad was just a lot of fun. My favorite Al Snow moments, though, are when Al Snow, and if, if, you, if you look these up on YouTube, don't blame me if you fall out of your chair or you find yourself choking or because you're, <laughs> you're laughing so hard you can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Al Snow as European champion was some of the best television oh I think God, I can yes. ever remember. Just every week coming out as a different country, dressing yep. as that country. Um, Head would be dressed up. He would mm-hmm. have uh, a picture of of somebody from that uh, from that country that he would then uh, place on the announce desk. And like, I it was it was so simple, so brilliant, so genius. So yeah. again, this is another situation where you have two guys that could not be further from each other and yet somehow it worked and you know even to to the very end they were a team that you know steve blackman never bought in steve blackman never bought in once never bought in i mean he got (laughs) he got the uh he got the cheese head which al snow put on him when he deemed him steve blackman the lethal cheddar um And he he didn't enjoy that. They had a they had a mascot. Do you remember the mascot's name? Oh, I do not. I they don't. had a a man dressed as a giant piece of cheese called Chester McCheesington. Yep, I don't. Yeah, and I yep. I use that name <laughs> all the time. I reference that name whenever I'm making like jokes or I I need like a fake name for something. I'm like Chester McCheesington. It yeah, uh, it's so just, great. And again, this goes back to something you said before about just goofy, fun wrestling. Like, you know, it, it is it is such a it is such an infectious thing and I think it gets 
such a bad rap sometimes because people are like, you know, this is this is just goofy. Why would I want to waste my time watching this? This doesn't, you know, like take wrestling seriously at all. Listen, these are, you know, grown men in spandex that are, you know, throwing each other around the ring and and we're supposed to believe all these crazy yeah. convoluted storylines. I mean, are we supposed to honestly believe that the big show interrupted or big boss man interrupted the big show's father's funeral and then drove a homemade police car all a blues brothers and the big show jumped on the hood and was hood surfing on the car as big boss yep. man drove away are we supposed to yep. believe all of that yeah. is real yeah. you know what i mean like wrestling is meant to be wrestling is meant to be fun wrestling is meant to be over the top it's meant to be a little goofy at times you know yeah. um that doesn't mean that the wrestling is bad that doesn't mean that it, you know we have to be so down on it but this is an example of where you know being goofy just works and exactly. steve blackman was the perfect straight man to that group i mean al snow yeah. was so over the top <laughs> with everything and steve blackman i mean he could have won the world series of poker tour with that face yeah, 100%. It was just, I mean, because Steve Blackman has had some some great uh, some great moments in, in WWE. Uh, his match with Shane McMahon was, uh, was just phenomenal. Um, uh, and again, part of that was because Shane McMahon was so willing to just go out there and do whatever. But yep. Steve Blackman was a huge part of that equation. Um, and, you know, for for everything that Al Snow is, for everything that he's done in his career... I mean, the man has had a lengthy career, and when it comes to wrestling, I mean, the guy knows what he's talking about. Like he's yep. he's he's worked behind the scenes at Impact, and you know, um, he's he's considered to be a a very uh, smart, incredible wrestling mind, despite everything that McFoley has said about him. Yeah, but you know, and of course, we we all know Mick's joking. Nobody thinks Mick's oh, actually serious yeah, about yeah. any of that. But yeah, it's just. Um, Again, you have you have two guys, I think, and, and this is this I would say is is tenant number two as far as looking at what makes an odd uh tag team work. You know, we already talked about, you know, the, the veteran of the team really buying into it. But when you look at a team like this, this is a team that truly gets it and truly understands what their roles are as an oddly paired tag team. Like they understand that their purpose is to go out there, be goofy, and get this idea over. I mean, it's like the quintessential wrestler that gets over every single gimmick that's just thrown at him, even the goofy, crazy, stupid ones. And yep. that's like this this team in a nutshell. They um yeah. they both they both know their roles, they know what they need to do, and and they both get it. Like they just yep. understand what the tag team is about. They understand what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so I think that's another big piece of, you know, tag teams that are, are sort of oddly paired. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, let's move on to your number four. My number four. I feel like I had to put this on the list because in my eyes, I feel like these two were one of the first major odd couple pairings they had. And that to me is the mega powers, Hogan mm. and Randy Savage. Um, because at the time Hogan was this big baby face. And for the most part of his career up to that point, Macho Man was this really big heel. So again, opposite, you know, spectrums of the, of the field there. 
and that yet after Mania Four, when Hogan helped Savage win that title tournament, they became a big tag team. They were, you know, the big moment. Mega Powers were bonded, the handshake, the whole thing. That for the time, I think, was unheard of because there wasn't many odd pairings up until that point that were like polar opposites of each other that just worked. Um, and I think having that team be the caveat for WrestleMania 5's main event with Randy and Hogan was just a perfect selling point leading into that match. Um, so for me, and we talked about this a little off the air before we, we started recording, but so I have, I have seven teams on my list. I, cause I, I, I just, I came up with seven pretty quickly and uh, obviously two of them I had to leave off. And I will say that um, I did think about the mega powers at one point. They are not one of my seven, but I did think about them at one point. And I guess for me, the reason I didn't put them on my list is I 100% completely agree with you that they are they are polar opposites. They are um, you know just just as as different as could be. Uh, but f- for me, I thought that they were the 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 two biggest stars the company had. Like these of guys, course. these guys were the it, these guys were the it factors. They had everything yep. going for them and. I I think that if if you're going to take two guys like that and ultimately you're going to do a, a build up to a a match together um this is a great way to really get that get that ball rolling um honestly you know everybody talks about you know the bloodline being the greatest storyline in you know the last 20 years or whatever possibly the greatest wrestling storyline of all time yeah if i was picking the greatest wrestling storyline of all time the the mega powers explode is easily my top choice every single time hands down without fail the storytelling uh the the multi-year storytelling because that's one of the things they always bring up about the bloodline is oh it's been going on for so long well so did hogan and savage yeah that went on for a long time and I don't really I don't really count any of the stuff they did after uh WrestleMania 5 as anything cuz I don't really like the WCW stuff and I, I don't buy into any of that, you know. I, I it wasn't think the same. No, it it wasn't. They were trying to capture nostalgia that just didn't want to be captured and uh but the this this Mega Powers Explode storyline just phenomenal storytelling. Um I still think the Saturday night main event where they broke up in a tag team match with the Twin Towers. I still think that was one of the single best wrestling shows of all time, in my opinion, just because yeah. that that match was just so amazing. Um, the breakup was so amazing uh, when they're in the office, uh, when they're in the uh, like the doctor's office in the back, the little makeshift medical room and um, Macho throws Hogan into uh, like the the one table and all the medical supplies go all over the place and i'm like this is just everything about it is genius um but again you had two of the biggest names uh in wrestling but i do agree if you look at them i mean polar opposites of the spectrum just you know um just just complete opposites and the whole like randy's jealousy towards hogan because uh, he felt that he was lusting over Miss Elizabeth and the whole like doctor promo where he uh, fabricated the out of context footage of Hogan, like bust. It was just all that to yeah. me was just so good. Like, the uh. whole, like 
I just loved the, the way they set that up where Randy literally was going insane over the fact that he thought Hogan was going after Miss Elizabeth. And it was just <laughs> top, it was just top tier stuff. Like they never won. Ooh, the... ooh, yeah. Hulk Hogan, you got <laughs> lust in your eyes, brother. That yep. was terrible, but yeah. like that's one of my that's favorite the, that's lines. That's one of my favorite promos. And like, oh, you know, so good. they never won the tag goal, but for that time period, they were like a dream team that no one expected to become a reality. Um, it, it, yeah, they they didn't win any tag team gold, but I will I will say this about them, um, as a tag team, I think that they had for me, uh, and and just thinking about wrestling at that time, because again we always talk about how wrestling at that time was so tag team centric. Um, yeah, I just their their uh, their match with um, uh, Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase at SummerSlam was just phenomenal you want to oh, yeah. you want to talk stuff. about yeah i mean you know we can't say that any of those guys were necessarily the greatest like technical wrestlers at the time but you want to talk about just pure excitement and and just pure joy in a match that's it right there like that's that that match for me is one of my favorite tag team matches of all time that might be like in the whole mega powers explode thing that that might be with with the exception of when they finally broke up that might be like my favorite match of the of the whole thing um even more than like the WrestleMania 5 match yeah like it was just um just great stuff and it showed you you know what really huge stars they were uh, oh yeah just yeah just good stuff just uh, all around like i think if we didn't have those two I don't think audio couple pairings would become an actual thing like it has because those two, I think, kind of started it all. So that's my uh, reason why they had to be on the list for my number four. Yeah, and and if you look at them, um, you know, when when you look at sort of, uh, you know, like you just you never had the two biggest stars in the company really team like that before. Even even aside from looking at it as an odd pairing, like you just you never saw like the top guys in the company like form a team like that. And I think it just it um it, it did so much, like you said, for this whole idea of of just odd pairings together. So um yeah, I mean I, I can totally see it. Like I said, they were definitely in consideration for me obviously being such a huge hulkamaniac as a uh as a as a young little uh hulkster there you know i was yeah. i was a big i was a big hulkamaniac uh huge fan um years years later i really got into savage um you know after the fact i mean i always thought savage was good but it was one of those things where like when i was younger um and and watching wrestling at the time i didn't first off one of the things I didn't get to see uh, was a lot of um, NWA slash WCW stuff because we just, yeah. we didn't have that on TV where I lived growing up. So, uh, you know, I never got to understand the brilliance of Ric Flair while it was going on. Like that was one yeah. of those things I fell into much later in life. Same thing with Macho Man though, even though I, I saw WWF programming at the time, you know, I was always a big Hulkamaniac. And yeah. I just never really understood the brilliance of Macho Man until years later. And then it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, you know, then you start to see everything that's so great about him. The little nuances. He was one of those guys where if you watch his promos, 
there's all these little nuances that make it different than everyone else and better than everyone else. Yeah, my favorite part is when he brings props in for his promos and just uses the props so nonchalantly in his promos. Like, mm-hmm. you think of the cream of the crop promo. You think of the yeah. garbage can promo. You think of, like, he just uses prop. You think of the um, coffee cup promo. Like, he just, yeah. I think he brings props with him and just, like, implements them in his promo like it's nothing. It's just, that was mm-hmm. just some of the best work for the time. Like, just so good. Like, yeah. Genius. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. Um, so good, good pick. Uh, like I said, I, I was considering them. Uh, they just did not make my list, unfortunately. However, a team that did make my list number at four. my number four. So this was, this was a really interesting, uh, this was a really interesting, I think, team based on the fact that uh, you had someone who, um, you know, had had a had a great career, um, was was never really a, a world champion, and to a point was you know almost kind of losing his way for a little while. And then you had another wrestler who was out of the picture, out of the scene for a long time, and so this tag team was his big surprise return. So my number four is the former tag team champions of Owen Hart and Yokozuna. Oh, you know what's crazy? I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers the other day. And I told him, I was like, you know what? I didn't even realize, and probably because I wasn't really watching it heavily at the time, I didn't know that they were a tag team. I didn't know that that was a thing. So when I saw it, when I was doing my list, I was like, wait, they were a team? I didn't, I didn't know. And it's such yeah, an odd so, pairing when you when you say those two names, you don't think a team at all. Yeah, so so Owen Hart uh, had a uh, Owen Hart was going up against the the Smoking Guns, and he had a uh, mystery partner. Um, so it was um, it was back in in 1995, and you know, like Yokozuna was well out of the title picture by this point, um, just not really. And he had he had been off TV for a while. He was just kind of out of everything. Um, so it was it was not only a huge surprise that he was Owen Hart's tag team partner, but it was a huge surprise to have him um, back on TV uh, at all. And so just kind of again, uh, you know, Owen Hart has had a lot of you know. Tag team, tag team success, um, but I, I thought this was really uh, just a very interesting pairing because I think this was the kind of pairing that really took two guys that were that were kind of kind of great on their own in in their own respects for ve- for various different things, and then it the tag team really sort of elevated them. Um, I, I think it was. I definitely think it was bigger for Yokozuna than it was Owen Hart because Owen Hart was going to be a star no matter what. And Yokozuna already had his time as, as star. This was, you know, a little, a little later in his WWE WWF run. So, you know, I think it was, it was meant more for him than it did Owen Hart. But I mean, it was like shock and awe when he came out. Uh, Nobody saw it coming. Um, and it just, it was a great tag team. Uh, you know, they, they had, 
I believe their their tag title run was like something like a hundred and seventy some days, maybe. Uh, you know, so it wasn't the longest run ever, but um, just to just to see them win win the tag titles, um, you know, it was just a it was just a cool thing. It was this um, sort of cool factor to it because you had, interestingly enough, you had a different almost. I wouldn't say a different side of Yokozuna, but we all we all remember Yokozuna. We all remember, you know, like this sort of clean-shaven version of Yokozuna, like when yeah. he was, you know, wrestling Bret Hart at WrestleMania, things like that. This Yokozuna that came out had a beard. Like this was this was a decidedly different-looking Yokozuna. Like Yokozuna yeah. had always been, uh, Yokozuna had always been a heel, but now he was visually showing you he was a heel in a new way because we all know like back then you know if you're if you're a heel you know you grow a beard if you're not a heel you don't grow a beard (laughs) like that was the that was the international symbol for i'm a heel is look at me now i have a beard um but it it also gave him like this uh it also gave him this cool factor you know um it was just something that um i don't know it just it just made him look cooler to be honest uh and it it really gave the whole tag team a cool factor. Yeah, I uh, yeah I I don't think I have much to add because I really didn't know that they were that they were that they existed until I did my my uh, research and you know I yeah, wish I, I was more around for that to be to be aware because I I didn't realize that they were even champions like that's a decent run for an odd couple yeah. like that so like you know just something I didn't never knew existed until until now especially especially in the mid 90s because i feel like in the mid 90s you had a lot of um like gimmicked sort of uh like actual tag teams yeah, you, you know teams. like some, yeah. something along the lines of of the smoking guns where they're not just like two singles wrestlers put together um you know however i will say you know uh as as surprising as it may be owen hart and yokozuna fit together very well it wasn't like you know, it, it was an odd pairing, but it wasn't an odd pairing that you wouldn't think would work together. It was something that you saw right from the beginning that there was just this, um, you know, sort of mutual uh, respect among thieves, I guess, is the best way yeah. to put it. Because, you know, <laughs> I mean, these are guys who are who are who are heels. They're not really supposed to respect anybody or anything. But, you know, thick as thieves, they were. And yeah. uh, they 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 came up with that surprise, and they stole one from the smoking guns. Uh, they had no idea what they were in for, and uh, yeah, just just a fun tag team, as far as I'm concerned. Um, definitely, definitely something uh, you know, a, a bright spot of that sort of mid '90s era, right? You know, like a year or two before the Attitude Era really hit hard. Like this yeah. was kind of the end of like that that whole period of the early 90s there but it was it's right before the cusp of the attitude era so it was yeah. just it's just cool to see very cool very cool all right you're up all right i was just telling uh ralph off the air about this i could have done a list all on kane tag teams everyone knows how much of a kane fan i am um i didn't because you know that would be boring but I had to at least mention a few of them on my list. So my first mm-hmm. one, when you think about Kane and his list of parties he's had, you think about more about defining moments in Kane's career. All of the teams he's had has been some sort of moment 
in his career path. Sure. And his odd pairing with Daniel Bryan is no exception. Uh, I love Team Hell No from the moment that they, they, they became a thing. For most mm-hmm. of that year, 2012, Daniel Bryan and Kane were at each other's throats in a feud featuring two just very angry wrestlers. But rather than have it be this big blood feud, the GM at the time, AJ Lee, demanded they attend anger management therapy together. And uh, this created some of the funniest and memorable moments between these two. And it was just magic from there. And of course, you cannot count out the MVP of all of that, Dr. Shelby, in helping making that be such an epic series of videos with sure. them backstage with Shelby. It was just oh, yeah. stuff that you just can't make up. Like, it was just such a good, odd pairing of just two very angry men. And having Shelby in there trying to quell their anger and make them a team was just so good. And after they graduated, they formed Team Hell No, who essentially were a bickering couple who would take their frustrations with one another out on their opponents in the ring rather than each other. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this is, I mean, this is, uh, this is like the definition of an oddly paired couple. Like if Absolutely. you looked up, if, if oddly paired <laughs> couples was uh, a dictionary entry, you would look this up. And I know some of you out there might not know what dictionaries are anymore, but uh, <laughs> if you went to the Merriam Webster website and to look up the definition of a word, you would see a picture of them there because this is, you can't get more oddly paired um, than those two. And what's interesting to me about this um, is that, again, this is another thing I think that makes oddly paired teams uh, really interesting is that, and again, something I think that makes them really great is that you have an opportunity to explore different sides of a wrestler that you might not have explored previously, which I don't ever think that uh, I, I don't ever think that Kane or Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. I don't think they ever get enough credit for the comedic skills they have. It was because just on honest, point. Oh, honestly, they're so good, and I think I I have a hard time with this one because I'm not sure that I could qualify this as an oddly paired tag team. I think I would have to qualify this as an oddly paired trio because there's no way without Dr. Shelby. Like, I know he was team, the MVP. team hell no is. Yeah, he was. Uh, MVP he was the whole so thing good. was Dr. Shelby. Like those, those segments were gold. My yeah, favorite part so good. of the whole thing was when they did win the uh, tag titles, mm-hmm. um, they would both fight over who became champions and <laughs> they would keep going, yeah. I'm the tag team champions. I'm the, t-. I just, man, I, that was just some of the funniest skits. And, the one I can will never forget, but just because it was so out of character for Kane, is when they're bickering backstage with Brian and AJ Lee. Kane comes out of nowhere with a one of those Gatorade buckets, puts it over the brother heads, and goes, "I'm going to Disneyland." Like, <laughs> like who the fuck Kane yeah. would say that? Like of all oh. things, it was just hilarious, and it really brought out Kane's comedic side and showed that he wasn't just this big red monster. Yeah, so, such good stuff. I mean. I, um, it's almost like, you know, they became like must see television. They were like the thing you had to tune into every week to find out what was going on. Cause it was just, it was so compelling because, you know, 
they had this whole sort of ideal of the this dichotomy of they didn't want to be a team they did want to be a team they were the tag team champions they didn't want to be the tag team champions together <laughs> yeah, like so... and it just it kept going back and forth and it was it was honestly like a giant soap opera i yeah, mean it, so it really was <laughs> but but a but a very highly entertaining soap opera like a really good you know i, I mean soap opera for guys yeah <laughs> i mean you you had to see what they were doing every week and if you missed it you're scrambling on the internet to try and oh, yeah. find like what you just... missed cuz so oh. good i feel like and no one would probably believe me, but I feel like the yes movement started even then, before it became really big back in 2014. Was that like because back because before the yes obviously was the no move, like he would do the no first, yeah. mm-hmm. which turned into the yes. So I think once he team with Kane and they turned face, the yeses slowly started to come out and the nos kind of faded away. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me, you know, because you brought it up when you first started this pick. You talked about like. How many times Kane has has been in in tag teams where it's been oddly paired tag teams and all these different things, you know? And when we're looking at a list of like Kane tag teams, and you look at this one as one of the top, if not the top, tag teams that he was in as far as oddly paired teams, you know, not to say that either one of them is a slouch in the ring. Not that Daniel Bryan is not uh, an amazing talent. But we're looking at this for more of their comedic acting skills than we are what they necessarily did in the ring, even though there's nothing wrong with what they did in the ring. It's just they were so good at everything else that I think it overshadowed their in-ring work. And not that that's a bad thing, because I mean, who who, so good and who doesn't fondly remember Team Hell No? I mean, who doesn't like Team Hell No? I, I, I don't know a single person that would say, hey, I didn't like that. No, because well, again, maybe, but it's going to be sort of the, the theme of this week's show. But again, we have to keep going back to goofy wrestling. Yeah. Like, there's something yeah. about goofy wrestling that, like, yeah, serious wrestling can be serious and amazing and good. But if you don't have a little bit of like comedy and some goofy in there, then it's just like taking itself too seriously, and then it's oh, just yeah, not absolutely. as fun. No, like um, Razor Wing mentioned last week with indie wrestling. Like, you kind of stop, kind of stop being full of yourself and kind of relax a little bit take yourself less seriously than you know what it's been doing yeah we we definitely had a huge conversation about um you know just independent wrestling these days taking itself way too seriously and uh yeah the the goofy side of wrestling is uh it's it's always it's always this interesting draw because you know a lot of people that are that are wrestling fans are like purist wrestling fans and they're like fans of you know like the say the strong style or this very independent sort of chain wrestling catches catch can style um yeah you know but when wrestling doesn't take itself so seriously uh you you get some of these amazing moments that you know again they probably outshadow what's what's going on in the ring um and if you do, uh, if you do want to take a listen to our full interview with Razor Wing, where we talk about the seriousness of indie wrestling and the goofiness of indie wrestling, check out our podcast wherever you find your podcasts and listen to our previous episode, the flyest podcast ever. Yeah, that was such a blast. Go check that out when you get a chance. And uh, yeah, that was just so much fun. Thanks for 
being on the show, Razor, and we hope to have you on the show soon. But let's get into your number three odd couple. So it's interesting that uh, we we kind of rounded out your third pick with the goofiness of professional wrestling because I, I gotta say in in terms of in terms of professional wrestling, you have wrestlers that are just um, phenomenal talents that may not exactly be recognized for that until it's almost too late. And yeah. I think one of the wrestlers in this team definitely fits in that category where he was recognized for the character, the gimmick, the work he did as the gimmick, both as a serious heel, as a goofy baby face. And there were probably a number of, uh, there were probably a number of things I, I could have picked with this guy, but I have to say, and, and this is, this is one of my favorite tag teams and not, well, let me tell you who it is first. So yes. our, my number three pick <laughs> is Booker T and gold dust. Oh my God. Talk about, goofy wrestling and goofy uh comedic styles and polar opposites and timing those two again similar to my last few picks are teams you would not put together in your mind you just wouldn't and when it first happened you were like skeptical at first but then once booker t kindly gave in that game over that was it that was it and that's and that's very much like your rk bro pick you know booker t Wanted nothing to do with Goldust, nothing to do with the tag team. And then, you know, eventually it, it just sort of clicked. But Goldust always had these just ridiculously goofy moments. Um, I, I mean, some of some of my favorite Goldust moments of all time. Uh, uh, dressing as a, a lumberjack and singing the lumberjack song. Yeah. And Booker T was so yeah. annoyed. Yeah. Um and I, I really liked when uh I really liked when Goldust was um messing with the NWO and he was dressed as Steve Irwin and he yeah. was hunting the NWO and he found uh he found the uh show Popotamus asleep in its natural habitat and then he saw <laughs> yes. the uh rare uh what was it, the uh, rare bandana wearing grease rat yeah. where he was talking about X Pac. Dude, that's <laughs> That's one of my legit famous, uh, like one of my most favorite uh, moments in in all of wrestling. I watch that on YouTube all the time because I just listen. If if we're talking about comedic timing and we're talking about wrestlers that were just perfect at it, Goldust is so amazing at it. And again, you know, he's very much kind of uh, you know playing the 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 goofy person to the the very uh, you know straight faced Booker yeah. T. And well, uh, it just, it works so well together. What's funny is that I think it got better after the whole, I don't remember what, who he was in the match with, but he got electrocuted, right? Remember that? And then he started to have a stutter after that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure evolution did that. I'm pretty yeah, sure I think it, it was, was evolution. Yeah. yeah. And then he got that stutter and then yeah. it became even funnier. <laughs> and my favorite part is before Sammy was doing it, Goldust was breaking everybody during that time. During his whole oh, yeah. uh, stutter and stammer uh, phase, he was breaking everybody backstage. Booker T was breaking. You had him break Austin. Yeah. And he was just that guy that would just make everyone laugh, even though it was meant to be taken like somewhat more seriously than that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting that, um, you know, again, I mean, we're talking about oddly paired tag teams, but you have a guy like Booker T who is... Uh, for for as for as much as 
his success was in WCW, this guy is still considered like tag team royalty. Oh, um, of course. You know, the, the, what was it? 11 title runs in, in WCW of yep. Harlem heat was just, you know, unmatched. And, and here's a guy who got to learn so much in, in the business from so many people. Um, you know, he got to, he got to spend time with legends like Sherry Martell. Yep. I mean, just, you know, and, just invaluable stuff, but he, for the, for a long time in his career, he was a tag team wrestler and, you know, Harlem heat had such success in WCW. And here we are talking about Booker T and gold dust. Like, yeah. I, I feel like for as much as Harlem heat did in WCW, the stuff with gold dust kind of far outshines that, which is, which is odd in and of itself, just thinking about that. But um, this, this is such a great, pairing because it's it's almost like at the time like these guys were just parodies of themselves i mean basically <laughs> and then you and then you slap them together and it just again this is something on paper that would probably never work but it just it it was so good and you know again when we talk about building the perfect you know uh, uh oddly paired team you know, we talk about the veteran buying in. We talk about uh, both members of the team really getting it. And then now I think one of the one of the big building blocks of it is, you know, you, you have to have this situation where one person wants the team very badly and the other doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that person has to win them over. And, you know, half the, half the fun of their storyline is watching Goldust win over, try to win over Booker T, everything he does. Like... Yeah, it's just I don't know. It was um it was just a fun time and that was a fun tag team to watch. Yeah, and I think that phase of Goldust really helped reinvent himself because before that, if you recall, he was done with Goldust. He had had enough. He had Oh yeah. He had yeah. burned the uh suit live on TV. He said I'm done being Goldust. This is yeah. this this character is crap. And he was done with it. So when he, he came back with that Booker T in, in 2002, I think he really reinvented the Goldust character and yeah. made it something that he could enjoy doing under the Goldust moniker. Yeah. And, and then, you know, he was, he was this ultra serious heel during the first run as Goldust. And now he's this goofy baby face. And then, you know, we we don't really I don't think we really get to see either time. I, I don't think we really get the full idea of what a great wrestler Dustin Rhodes really is. I mean Dustin Rhodes is just a, a phenomenal talent and then years and years later we get the match with him and Cody Rhodes in AEW where everybody was like, Holy crap, how did we not see this before? Like everybody in the business was praising him after that match because he really got to showcase that part of his talents. And uh, I think that, you know, really people got a really good look at him and, and what he could really do and that it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just this crazy gold dust character, or this goofy gold dust character. Dustin Rhodes really had the goods to back it up. Yep. Um, and, and he never really he never really got that run in WWE. And kind of part of me is really sad about that because what what should have really happened. And, and Cody Rhodes talked about this on an episode of talk is Jericho a long time ago. Um, but Cody talked about how 
there was always this plan to have him and and Dustin at WrestleMania, and they had so many great ideas for it. And WWE apparently would talk to them about it and was interested in it, but never once pulled the trigger on it. And I feel like, you know, part of the catalyst of AEW pulling the trigger on it was because WWE didn't. But um, I know Dustin is is very respected in the AEW locker room. I know oh, yeah. he's very revered as as a, just a a legend and a a very intelligent mind in this business. Um, but I, I really wish we could have seen that happen in WWE. And I would not be surprised down the line if we do indeed get Cody and Roman at WrestleMania and Cody wins the title. I would not be surprised at some point to see Dustin Rhodes show up in a feud with him. I, I just, I, I, I see it coming. I can't believe he hasn't been a part of Cody's story yet. Um, I know uh, Dustin commented that he was at WrestleMania 39. He was up in one of the press boxes. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, again, when we talk about underrated wrestlers, I, I think, Dustin Rhodes just fits in that category because he was never really given the opportunity to fully showcase his talents until we come up with this AEW match with, with him and Cody, which I I mean, is just one of their best matches. Oh, absolutely. Four year Um, history. But again, just when you, when you look at Goldust as a whole and you look at Booker T as a whole and everything that they have done in their careers and then to see them, get paired together and just knock it out of the park in ways you couldn't even imagine. Uh, yeah. This is, this, this is, this is not just the definition of an oddly paired tag team. This is what we want to see from an oddly paired tag team. Yeah. Great. Uh, awesome. Great pick. All man. right. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's move on to your next pick. What do you got? My number two, uh, this one I think is the same one. That's kind of, out of left field, where we think of like Hogan and Macho Man, but yeah. for the more modern era, and and when I say modern, I mean like our when we were growing up, like the ruthless aggression, that sure. sort of time period. Just because again, these was a team made up of two of the, the top stars of the era, the time who nobody ever thought would be would be a team together, and that was the two man power trip, Stone Cold Steve Austin and oh. Triple H. Yeah, this was right after Mania Seventeen, where he did the big turn and and. Join forces with his, with his arch nemesis from Vince McMahon. The very next night on Raw is where the Triple H uh, team sort of started because they had a cage match rematch uh, Austin and Rock, mm-hmm. where Triple H helped Austin beat up the Rock in the cage, and that brought out this more vicious side of Austin. And he would attack. They were both attack wrestlers like Kane and Taker, the Hardys, yeah. Lita with chairs and just brutalized them week in and week out. And they were just they just. We're just like an unstoppable like machine as a team, mm-hmm. which again you never thought would happen because at the time before the the heel turn, Triple H was the biggest heel in the company. Austin was the biggest babyface. Yep. And like it was just surreal that it even happened. One and two, like they worked surprisingly well as heels together. They were a force during this time, and as they both held major singles titles, Austin was champion and Triple H was the IC champion, and then they beat. Kane and Taker doing the, the, the uh, tag belts, thus holding mm-hmm. at the time basically all of the gold. They were such a force to be reckoned with up until Triple H's legitimate injury where he tore his quad. Mm-hmm. 
like it may have been short lived, but man, did it pack a punch. And it almost felt like it came out of left field again. To think the Reign of Terror, those two would have had as a team had he not tore his quad, it would have been crazy. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, this is, to me, this is kind of the, the full circle evolution of Austin as a heel. Um, and, you know, Austin talks so many times about how if he had, you know, WrestleMania 17 to do over again, he would have never done the heel turn. And I admit that a lot of his heel turn was very bad. I think a lot of the stuff with the alliance and just, I don't, uh, you know, he had some great moments. Uh, again, we talk about the comedic side of things, him and Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon. Oh, of course. Great, great stuff. Great But stuff. I think a lot of his alliance stuff and ultimately um, the, the heel turn sort of fell flat. However, I feel like this is the full evolution of his heel turn because we should have seen, we should have seen it coming because if, if you're going to put a tag team together and you have a guy like Austin who is now finally reaching the peak of his heel turn, who else could be with him, but the heel power of triple H. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a brilliant pairing. Um, and I, I love this pick because again, it's not something you ever thought you'd see. It's not something that's just automatically like, Hey, this is, uh, you know, this, this is like a, uh, something that, you know, is just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, obvious. There we go. <laughs> yes. It's, it's not obvious, but it should have been. And it was, they, they were, I mean, when they talk about the two man power trip, they, they lived up to that moniker, every bit of it. Um, they just, they did what they wanted. They didn't care about anybody else. They took out whoever they wanted. And I think it's a great pick. They are in, and, and I have, I have a hard time when I talk about my top five favorite matches, because I've got a bunch of matches that I have a hard time ranking above each other. But if I'm looking at the list, one of my top five is definitely the night they lost the tag titles on raw to Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. Oh, and yeah. That match, is, that match is synonymous for a lot of reasons. I mean, tri that was where Triple H tore his quad, but then yep. yet still finished the match and even yeah. let Chris Jericho give him a full-on Walls of Jericho, Jericho on the announce table. Yeah. So, but honestly, like, if you're talking about crowd reactions, when Jericho and Benoit won that match, that crowd was so hot. They could have literally blown the roof off that building and burned yeah. it to the ground. It was, yeah. <laughs> they were so hot for that. But that's not just the great babyface work of Benoit and Jericho. That's even more the great heel work of Triple H and Stone Cold because that crowd, I don't think, was as hot to see Benoit and Jericho win as they were to see Austin and Triple H lose because oh, yeah. they were they such were great heels. Such a hated team together. Like they hmm. made you want to hate them. And this is, again, Austin, who was the biggest babyface of the Attitude Era, is now. Yeah. Triple H, one of the biggest heels of the company, and running roughshod over the entire show. They would bogart the show every every weekend, mm -hmm. literally just beat people up just because they could. Yeah, like they would just Absolutely. run the show by just running in and doing whatever they felt like they wanted to do, whoever they wanted to attack, whenever, yeah. however, they made sure it happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's again, it's it's an odd pairing. 
just because we think like ex- it's exactly what you said. We think about how could Austin possibly be paired up with Triple H. But again, I think it's just I think it's just something we we probably should have seen coming if we were looking at things with more of a microscope like we are now. Um, you yeah, know, just just being fans and kind of in the moment with it. You know, we may not have seen it coming, but yeah, just um, some brilliant stuff. And I, uh, when you look at stars of that level, you know, we're talking absolute veterans of the business, guys who know the business inside and out, who 99.999% of the time hit home runs that nobody could catch six blocks out of the stadium. Uh, they just, they put on such great work together as heels. And, you know, for, like you said, for Austin to go from the most beloved guy in the country to now, or company to, to now, well, in country probably too. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, and then to, to make his way into a tag team with triple H and to do such good heel work. I mean, you have to be, you have to be a real talent to be able to do that kind of stuff to, to hit the top of your game in both baby face and heel. So yeah, um, a, a really, a really good pick. Yeah. I like it. What is your oh. number two? All right. So I went, I kind of went, I feel like maybe in a little different direction than you did. Um, Cause again, when, when talking about top five, oddly paired teams, I, I see that that you have a um, you're following a, a pattern of you know better and better and better teams, more successful teams. I didn't necessarily go that route because I kind of went more with the odd side of it. However, this tag team may not have had the success that it necessarily needed to to make the list as far as title runs or you know any of that but for me this is almost as close as you can get to an oddly paired team that is uh successful for that reason and again this is another team where i have a a member of the team that just never truly got to showcase their true skills until this very moment but my number two is the miz and damian mizdow Mm, ooh, they you know Damian Mizdow is a character that I don't think gets enough love because he went all in on the Mizdow thing. Like he would be outside mimicking Mrs. Moves and doing bumps outside by himself. Just with himself. Like who else could have came up with that and did it and did it so well? Like even when they were in tag team matches, he would sell what Miz is doing in the ring on the apron like it was just mm-hmm. genius and it was hilarious yeah miz miz would get thrown out of the ring and he'd slide in the ring and throw himself over the top just yeah, like it was miz. just like the like, most silly like but it worked so well like it was just such a funny like on paper it sounds stupid right mm-hmm. you're just gonna mock your partner the entire time and mimic yeah. his moves but in like watching it happen it was genius it was absolutely genius it it really was um they they took this sort of so so miz has always kind of had this um chip on his shoulder until he really sort of hit his stride uh winning the title 
defending the title in a WrestleMania main event. And that was the point where we really started to see this idea of the A-lister come out and Miz being, you know, this, this A-lister Hollywood persona. And so it was really this over the top version of who the Miz really was. Interestingly enough, I think it was also a big, like, uh, screw you to all the people that, you know, never really saw him making anything of himself. And now, you know, here he was with all this massive success and he was just kind of shoving it in people's faces and he took that and turned it up to 11. So then, I mean, where do we go from there? Well, let's just be as goofy as possible. Let's think of the goofiest thing that we can think of. I mean, what does this, what does a Hollywood A-lister need? A stunt double. It's brilliant. (laughs) It's, um, you know, it's it's almost as much making fun of Hollywood as it is making fun of The Miz and yeah. the fact that he's this over-the-top, you know, in his mind, A-lister when nobody else really believes it. Um, and then you have, you know, Damien Sandow come along who, I mean, the, the greatest thing, I, I mean, Damien Sandow won Money in the Bank and that proved out to be terrible. The greatest yeah. thing Damien, the greatest thing Sandow ever did was show up during uh the the dx reunion and take all their finishing moves yeah (laughs) like that was about the greatest thing he did as as damien sandow that that gimmick was i think really designed for people to hate him as a heel and it went way too far because people you know it, it kind of jumped the shark because people started hating him as a heel and just hating seeing him all together yeah but how he turned that around with Damian Mizdow is just an amazing piece of work. It really is. Because um, it just, I mean, it's such a simple idea to take. But to your point, 120% every single night. It didn't matter if it was a house show. It didn't matter if it was television. It didn't matter if it was a pay-per-view. It didn't matter if it was a backstage interview. Whatever this guy did, he put 120% into Damian Mizdow. And again, this is almost the reverse of having the veteran believe in the team. Now you've got, you know, the younger guy who's trying to prove a point is now the one that really believes in the team. And, and Miz buys in, and it's just, it's such a great story for him to be able to have this success as Damian Mizdow when Damian Sandow just fell flat. Well, if you think about it, Damian Sandow was a rehash of Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, to a point. It, it was like, like if it you was took basically Hunter... the same character, but just not British. No, if you if you took <laughs> Hunter Hearst Helmsley, if Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Matt Stryker had a child, it would be Damian Sandow. Yeah, exactly. Because Damian Sandow was like... He was like Triple H, but he also played this, I'm smarter than you, I use bigger words than you, I say things that I think are going to confuse you because they're soliloquies and, you know, uh, these these big $10 words, and it just, it it was meant to get him over as a heel, it was meant for people to hate it, Um, but again, I think it really jumped the shark, and people stopped just, he stopped getting heat as a heel, he started getting heat as a character now where people just don't want to see the character. And at that point, like you're done, like yep. it's, it's over. It's, it's time Game to over. come up with something new. 
but for what he came up with, like what they did with him after that was just absolutely brilliant in, in ways that, you know, again, it's such a simple concept, but such a brilliant thing they did. Yeah. And did and it like, so well. Even in the ring when Mizzou do promos, like it wasn't just bumps. He would literally be behind him talking mm. to his opponent with the Miz word for word. And it was just like, what is happening? Like, what? Yeah. like sometimes the, um, his feud, they would talk to Mizdow and not the Miz because of how yeah. over the top Mizdow is behind him, like doing the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Just, just great stuff. So again, I, to me, that's, that's what a, that's what an oddly paired tag team should be. Something that you, uh, something that you remember fondly um, that, you know, we, we had for a brief time and then it was gone but while we had it, it was such magic, and and we remember it so fondly. And obviously, I mean, the Miz went on to do, uh, the Miz went on to do great things. And I feel like the Miz is at the point in his career where, you know, he's he's one of those guys that they talk about where wins and losses simply don't matter anymore. It's yeah. not about that. It's about going out there and putting on a great match with with anybody and. I mean, the the highest compliment I can pay the Miz, at least in my opinion, is that I think the Miz is just as successful as Dolph Ziggler is. Oh, Dolph yeah, Ziggler is sure. a guy who will show up, do ev- anything you ask of him, and he'll have an absolute great match with every single person on the roster from top to bottom. And he's a guy that the WWE can always rely on. And outside of WWE, yeah, I mean, he's got he's got the life. He's he's got he's got the wife he's got you know the the family the the show uh, it, it's just you know he's he's the Miz and yep. you know you're not so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah all right this is it it's it's time it's we're, time we're there the number one it's the top of the list number yeah, one all right mine what is going to be the obvious got? answer and we're okay. uh, harking back to King as again Kane's my boy always will be okay. Um, mm-hmm. One of Kane's big breakouts from the Ticker's Shadow at the time was when he formed a tag team with a newly babyface X-Pac, Kane and Ooh, X-Pac. Oh, I knew that was coming. Their styles complement each other perfectly with Kane being this menacing, you know, style with the size and strength and X-Pac with the speed and agility. They yeah. were an odd pair for sure, but they just clicked not only as a team, but also with the audience as well. When they first won the titles with Owen Hart and Jarrett, the fans went ballistic. Nobody thought that this random super random team would not only mm-hmm. gel together, but become tag team champions together. Sure. And like, especially because I think they were one of the first teams that would remix their theme. Oh, and, and when they did, so cool. it was magic. Like even yeah. JR and, and all were like, this is the first time we've heard a mashup of songs. Like, what is this? And it was yeah. time. So cool. I think Kane's intro, the pyro break it down, happened afterwards. And hmm. then yeah, yeah. in the ring underneath Kane, doing the crop shots while Kane's doing the raising in the arms. It was just for that time. So cool. And mm. it really helped show Kane's more human side. Cause that was one of the first times that you saw Kane be kind of more human with Xbox yeah. bringing kind of the fun out of Kane. And then you had this beauty and the beast relationship with Tori and Kane. And it was just like, I love that team and I always will. They, they were just, they were, in my eyes, the odd couple that were just mm-hmm. so successful. So successful. Yeah. So, um, I I mean, and I love the breakup of the team as much as I oh, love the team, too. Oh, that was just as good. That was 
was just as yeah. good. The, the storyline was the storyline was phenomenal. All the stuff they did with Tori was great. Um, it was just it was a lot of fun. But that was a very fun tag team. And I think the word that that you used that epitomizes it the most is it was a cool tag team. It really was because again they they did the things that odd pairing tag teams should be doing. You know they they mixed their music together. They mixed their entrances together, and it was just fun because it was things that you just. You, you never imagined you'd see, and then you're getting all. I mean, you're getting all these cool things. It's like, it's a, it's it's like WWE creator wrestler in real life, like the video yeah, exactly. game creator wrestler, because <laughs> you know you're you're putting people together that normally wouldn't be together. You're giving them custom entrances, and like that's I think what what really made it cool was that it was like something somebody would do when they were playing a video game, but here it was happening in in real life, and yeah. I mean, while it happened, it was a it was a great tag team. Um, very entertaining. Uh, the mixture of styles, just with you know Kane being this gigantic monster of a brawler, and and X Pac being you know a a cruiserweight uh, sort of style to him. Uh, very fast paced, very uh, high flying, big moves, uh, which again was was in in massive contrast to what Kane did, which was, you know, your, your slower methodical sort of, uh, wrestling, you know, brawling, uh, big power moves, just overpowering people, but it yeah. worked. Yeah. The, the meshing of the styles just worked together. Cause again, I, I think they were both so invested in it that they just, they, you could tell that that investment, uh, really kind of formed this, this work ethic as far as the team goes that, just made it successful and you even said it best the breakup was almost just as good as the team because when yeah. tory turned heel on kane it really did probably one of his best face runs of his entire career he mm -hmm. turned into this yeah. scorned but sympathetic terrifying monster and i was there for every second of it he yeah. was just he was scorned hurt but he just went on this rampage of anger mm -hmm. that like you really saw it came wasn't was a hurt, but he was still a monster, but he was, he had his feelings crushed. So what does he do? Just ruins everybody's life. Just <laughs> yeah. like, it was such a fun face turn for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it, it was, it was just fun. And I, I think, you know, you hinted on the fact that, you know, it, Kane has had, you know, so many tag teams and things we could have talked about, but I, I really think that this, ranks up there aside from his tag team with the undertaker. I think this ranks up there as his best tag team. Um, I, I just, it, it had the, it had the look, it had the feel, uh, everything about it was special. Cause you know, you almost didn't feel like you were watching a tag team of two paired wrestlers together. You felt like you were watching an actual tag team. Yeah. It was just like, and, and if it wasn't for Xbox, K wouldn't stop talking with his freaking talk box thing. <laughs> so Xbox helped him talk without the talk box. Yeah. When he said the two famous words, Dix always says, suck it. It yeah. was just like, like even mm -hmm. that, I was, when he said it, I was dying laughing. I was like, first of all, this is gold. I hope this never goes yeah. away. And like the fact that Kane's now talking without the talk box is like, yep, good job, Xbox. You did it. You brought mm -hmm. him out. He's, he's now yeah. a human. Like he's now a human. He's yeah. no longer just freak, you know, like <laughs> such good stuff. Awesome. 
Well, what is your the moment your we've all been waiting window. for? Oh, <laughs> listen, this is again. I went in a different direction than you did, and while this may be anticlimactic, oh boy! If I and this was honestly, Here this was go. really the first team I thought of when you suggested odd paired teams to me, because to me, this was not just odd in the fact that you know it was you know two guys together that maybe shouldn't be paired together or what have you. This was odd to me because it was just strange to begin with. And so my number one pick is road warrior animal and Heidenreich. Oh my God. You're going to pick LOD 2005. That is what I'm going to pick. Listen, 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 you're, you're my friend. And like we're we're cool, but like they were the worst team, <laughs> and they were yes. the worst version of the Legion of Doom that's they were. out there. They were never, they shouldn't have never even been Legion of Doom. It was awful. Just well, that's what I'm saying. Awful. It was it was <laughs> it was it was an odd pairing. Um, you know, Heidenreich coming out with the weird sort of LOD ish face paint and his blonde hair. You know. Kind of, kind of looking like a demented, oversized version of '80s Sting, and then yeah, you had was, oh, Road Warrior Animal, who was just Road I Warrior mean, Animal. <laughs> I can't, but I can't imagine for one second of his entire life he ever bought into this thing. I don't. Think I can't he did imagine he not, was ever happy about no, it. I would hope. I mean, Heidenreich was. Heidenreich <laughs> might have been one of the oddest wrestlers in the history of WWE. I mean, yeah. it was just, he was, he was downright creepy and I'm not talking, uh, I'm not talking creepy like, you know, uh, Snitsky and, you know, uh, Maria's feet. I'm not talking that kind of creepy. I'm talking about <laughs> like cornering Michael Cole in the back and reading him a poem. Creepy. Yeah. That's I, a whole different level of creepy. I don't think he would have survived in the current wrestling world mm, at all. I can't believe he survived that. I mean, and again, <laughs> I have I, I have to state this. I have nothing against the person. I no, have no, nothing no, against the wrestler. I have nothing against his in-ring talents. I'm just saying that whatever whatever combination of creative, whether he had anything to do with it or not, came up with this. I mean, I don't know that we talk about wrestlers being able to you know make a chicken salad out of chicken poop when they're given (laughs) a chicken poop as a gimmick and i don't think anybody could have made this thing work um so what do we do with him well let's make him a a, you know an honorary uh, member of the legion of doom let's just let's just take it so far past the line of sanity that there's no return even the new theme was bad like oh. even the new version of the beat theme was 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 just as bad as the team itself like everything about it was it bad. was just I, I don't dumpster I don't fire I, dumpster yeah fire. i don't know how i don't know anybody <laughs> could ever be like i don't know how announcers could talk about it and not be like i don't know how they could be excited about it i just i don't understand any of it it is just every single aspect of this team is odd it is an odd pairing it is, I mean, this, to me, this is an even odder pairing than Undertaker and Nathan Jones, which by oh, yeah, the way, was, don't yeah. be- believe me, if Nathan Jones had actually wrestled in that WrestleMania match, yeah. I mean, I know 
like what did he come out for like two seconds or something? But if he'd have if he'd have wrestled that actual match, then I might have put them on the list. But <laughs> they are a sh- they they are they are dropping the bucket in comparison to the oddness of Animal and Heidenreich. I'm sorry, it's just to me to me that's the to me that's the oddest pairing of all time. Uh, so it it had to be number one on my list because really, you know. You you took you took oddly paired teams in one direction, and that was not the direction I thought of when you suggested it to me. Yeah, but this this would have been no matter what. I think this would have been the very first team that I would have picked up on. Uh, it it just yeah. instantly hit my mind. I was like, I just... never got it. I still don't get it. I don't think anybody will ever get it. Um, no. I would love, I would love for whoever was doing creative at the time to do a podcast and talk about why. That maybe well, yeah, I, maybe well, that's what I should do. Maybe I should hunt down whoever, whoever made that idea, that whoever, whoever created and, that, and just just let them talk about like what was the inspiration behind that? How did they come up yeah. with that? Why did they do it? You know, let's let's uh, let's let's get some answers here. But definitely for me, the oddest pairing of all time. Just a dumpster fire. Just indeed, it was <laughs> just like when I was thinking of this, I was thinking of like successful. Odd uh, pairings in my eyes. The ones that 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 yeah. didn't think would work, but actually worked very well. Um, yeah. that one was not even on my mind just because of how I I tried to block it out as if it didn't exist because of how bad it was. Um, Heinrich itself was a failed character before they tried to rehash him as LOD two thousand five. Like it was like like there was no saving that after that. There was just no coming back from that. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and no, again, it has and... nothing to do with Heinrich. It just he was given really, really bad creative. Yeah, um, and that's again, you know, I, I think that's the the big takeaway from this is that you know, there's just a lot of bad creative involved in these decisions, and uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you you take a shot at something, and you know, uh, you, you hope it works. You know, you you throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks, uh, yeah. but. This one was just this one was just bad, and to me, you know, whether we're talking about great teams, good teams, what have you, uh, this one was just the oddest thing I could think of. I'm I'm sure somebody will come up with something odder, but for me, that that was just the the weirdest, oddest pairing I could think of. Yeah, I would. Yeah, in terms of that, yeah, I agree. But like, also, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, uh, two two very different but uh, equally great sets of uh, top fives this week. Yeah, um, I, this was a this was a really fun it's a really fun topic to discuss. Many odd couples out there. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely fun. Um, as a as a side note, I I meant to mention this earlier, and I sort of forgot because we got talking about other things as far as that goes, but. Uh, there was a there was a point in my life where um, I was dating a girl with extremely long blonde hair, like we're talking like down below her her back, and so she was not the hugest wrestling fan, but I got her into wrestling as you know as I do I right. tend to get people into professional wrestling, and right. this was right around the time of Booker T and Goldust. Nice. And she became a very big fan of that tag team. And so 
she decided that uh, that year for Halloween, we were going to hand out candy. And she decided that we should dress up as Booker T and Goldust. Oh, so I put no. on I put on a, a wig that you know gave me some Booker T esque hair, and I got myself a uh, a Booker T shirt, and I had like uh, his 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 track pants on, and like I was I was like backstage Booker, and uh, <laughs> my uh, my mother who is uh, a professional seamstress made my girlfriend a gold dust suit nice and so she went as gold (laughs) dust you know gold dust uh, the entrance version of gold dust with the uh, with the long blonde hair so uh yeah so that yeah so there was a little bit of a sentimental pick in that one as remembering an interesting time in my life but uh still 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 a fun topic to talk about um and i'm sure there's many more teams that we could discuss but uh oh yeah We've so definitely we definitely each got our favorites. Oh yeah, of course. So, all right. Well, uh, I think that about it's going to wrap things up for us here. So we uh, we definitely want to thank all of our listeners for uh, listening to the Opinion City podcast with uh, myself, Ralph Hindmarch, and my tag team partner and co-host Parma Sean Russell. If you guys like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our social media which is at opinion city pod to all your friends family and colleagues and please leave us a review on apple podcasts spotify pandora or wherever you get your podcasts be sure to check out the episodes prior to this one and let us know your opinions on our topics that we've been done so far as well as this week's topic check us out on facebook twitter instagram and are we on threads yet uh, we are on threads. Just uh, be aware. There's not a whole lot of content there, but keep an eye out because we're going to ramp that sucker up, too. Yeah, so we're on threads as well at Opinion City Pod. And uh, this has been a Mancast Network production. And we'll see you next time, guys. This is also Ann here. You're listening to Opinion City Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Happy train.